0: Welcome to another episode of the Fort Worth Freedom Review. If you're new here, the Freedom Review exists to inform and educate the Fort Worth and Tarrant County community about the values and functions of civic engagement, the goings on of the local city council, the mayor, and the county commissioner's court, as well as important news stories from our community and from the greater Texas community, including state political issues. My name is Anthony Sosa. And today with me, we have Amber O'Dell, Christopher Rose and Thomas Moore here to discuss the history of voter suppression in Texas, the current state of our voting laws, how voter suppression affects election integrity and Governor Abbott's State of the State address. All of the resources used for today's episode will be provided below in the show notes. And as always, please subscribe and sign up for our newsletter and get updates on Fort Worth political news and deep dives into local issues. We're currently a volunteer organization If you would like to get involved or want to contact us, you can reach us at fwfreedomreview at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at fwreview. This podcast is made possible by the Justice Reform League, a Fort Worth-based nonprofit. If you wish to support us and this podcast, please go to justicereformleague.org and click the donate button. So I'm going to start us off talking about a little bit of history in regards to voter suppression in Texas. Um, I'm going to talk about gerrymandering because that's a historical ban, a way to suppress voting, what that means, how that works. I'm going to talk about a couple of Supreme Court cases um, that have changed how gerrymandering and how voting voter suppression laws in Texas in general have changed over the past 10 years. And then, uh, we're just gonna, yeah, like I said, talk about some historical stuff. So first, we want to identify what voter suppression is. And so I got uh, this definition from Texas Monthly, but it's it seems, you know to to uh, apply. I think it's a pretty good definition. We identify voter suppression by its effect, not its exact form. It prevents those at the bottom of this country's complex social hierarchy, people of color, the working class, the young. From exercising the most important right conferred on them by the U.S. citizenship or by U.S. citizenship, voter suppression and other methods of swaying election results from outright fraud to gerrymandering aren't an occasional feature of Texas politics. They form a continuous thread and the state has never been free of them. Um, So I like that. I mean, they they pretty much just, you know, it's not exactly the form that it takes because it can take a bunch of different forms, but it's like, what is the effect of these? whatever, these laws or however you're choosing to suppress it. Uh, and if you are achieving that suppression, then that, that's voter suppression. Um, some key facts to keep in mind about the state of Texas in regards to, like, how we have done this or do this. Um, unlike 21 other states in Washington, D.C., there is no same-day voter registration. Uh, so we don't have that. A lot of other states, including uh, in, in addition to Washington, D.C., also have that. Um, so here in Texas, you have to register a month out. That is how it's been for a while here. You don't have the, if you, if you miss that registration date a month before the election or whatever, then you just aren't eligible to vote in that election. And a lot of people don't know that. I remember the first time that I tried to vote was the same sort of, I didn't know that. Um, Wasn't able to do it. Uh, Only Texans who are U.S. citizens. Okay. So here's, we're also in the, in the show notes, we're going to give you guys a link to become uh, a voter what's the term a registered voting not agent registrar Registrar. thank you i was like i don't have it right here so that's something you have to you have to sign up to become a registrar to sign up people to vote in texas and that's something that like i don't know it's been that way for a while here and i never really thought much about it or whether or not other places do that but they don't um texas here i'm just going to read continue reading from this texas monthly thing um texas who are you have to be a u.s citizen and you have to undergo specific training and you can be appointed as a volunteer deputy registrar and register others to vote um and texas is the only state that requires people to be deputized in order to conduct a drive And a 2012 report by the Brennan Center of Justice is is where that information is coming from. There is no statewide certification. So if you become certified down in Houston, in Harris County, for instance, you're only allowed to volunteer and sign up people in Harris County. So you have to go get registered for a separate county if you're going to be doing voting work in a different county, Um, which is just ludicrous. Seriously? Yes so it's a county by county thing i didn't either (laughs) and so wow and we have 254 counties in the state of texas so if you were wanting to be like a voting rights activist uh and go around the state voting signing people up to vote you'd have to get permission in every respective county to do that um which makes it hard to register people to vote uh so that is in itself that is voter suppression you know enacted right there that type of having those type of restrictions. Uh, and again, we're the only state that, that has it like that. Um, we also in the state of Texas have voter ID laws. Uh, and so residents, you know, there's certain IDs that are allowed and certain ones that aren't. And so if you have a handgun license or a concealed weapon license, that is a suitable form of identification to vote with. But a student identification, if you're a student at a college, for instance, is not a suitable form of identification. And so, again, this is kind of my microphone is like all over the place. Hold on a second, guys. So, yeah, so students, you know, your your form of identification, though often, you know, accepted and allowed at a lot of other places will not allow you to vote. Um, And then so federal government oversight over states uh, and their voting laws has was taken away. That was part of the Voting Rights Act of uh, 1963, it was removed in 2013 by a case I'm gonna get to here in just a second. Uh, and so ever since 2013, states have been kind of ramping up their voter suppression laws, which making it more difficult, particularly in former con- Confederate states. Um, but without this, this government oversight, states um, became a national leader in reduction of polling sites, or the state of Texas has, forgive me. The state of Texas is the number one state in regard of reduction of polling sites according to the Leadership Conference Education Fund. Uh, last year, I believe this is 2017, is when the, the article was in 18. So I think last year would be 2017. The state tried to purge its rolls of tens of thousands of voters based on flawed Texas driver's license data, which is Thomas is going to give us more information about here in a moment. Uh, and this purging followed a year in which Latinos had doubled their turnout than the previous at the polls. So it was it's you know kind of in sync with the population growth and that sort of thing and the and the demographic changes in the state of texas that is one of the motivating factors to restrict people from voting so another thing i want to talk to you guys about is essentially gerrymandering and like what that means you may have heard that term before but uh, or maybe not and if not that's okay it's essentially the districting process where we draw the lines for the districts for any given type of thing so it's a, it's municipal districts like city council for instance it's also uh you know the congressional districts or the state house and the state senate districts where those lines go for our representatives that we vote in to represent us where do the where who decides those lines and where they're at well it's the legislature that decide, that decides them for the state um, if it's your city council, they decide, you know, it's kind of each respective government. But this redistricting is only based on census data. And the census is only done once every 10 years on the on the 10. So the last census was done in 2010. We just had a census last year in 2011 or in 2020, 2011, 2020. Um, and so it'll be the people who come in power now or who are currently in power, depending on what you're talking about that are going to be making these redistricting decisions. So that, because of coronavirus, like I said last episode, the census um, is going to be delayed. That information is going to be available, I believe, in August this year. So the Texas legislature is going to be called into a separate session to look over that and do the redistricting. Um, But gerrymandering is essentially taking these districts and finagling them and designing them, drawing them, in a way that makes it benefit for one party or the other. Both parties are, are guilty of doing this. It's just a matter of who is in control and what state you're talking about and stuff. Historically, in the state of Texas, over the past 30, 40 years, it's been the Republicans who have been, who have been doing this in 2010. If you think about what the political climate in the U.S. was like in 2010, it's two years after Barack Obama was elected president. So there was a sharp backlash. A lot of Republicans gained a bunch of House seats and Senate seats during that 2010 election. That's kind of when the Tea Party became a thing um and so this districting that we're looking at right now is essentially was decided and was drawn by those people that were in power then so there's a couple of different ways that you can do gerrymandering you can do what's called cracking and you can do what's called packing i have i'm actually going to post a youtube video down that uh down in the show notes as well that's going to explain gerrymandering by this guy CPG gray uh he's a fantastic youtuber but essentially, cracking is taking if you're trying to, you know, take a certain population, whether it be based on race or class or whatever, and you're trying to separate this population. Say maybe it's kind of homogenous in a certain area of town. You want to split that part of town up into two different districts so that population doesn't vote as kind of a block. And again, you're making assumptions here. Not everybody of a certain class or a certain race are all going to vote the same way. That's not true. But it's a kind of a more of a gen- generalization sort of thing where, OK, let's split the, you know, for instance, you know, black people, if you want to take the east side, let's split the east side up into two different districts, which is actually how we have it set up here in Fort Worth. Uh, stop six and the surrounding areas is divided up between two different districts. So that's an example that's you can crack it. Um, You can pack it. And so the other the other is the flip side of that, where you essentially take a population and you put all of them in one district. You draw the district lines around this entire group. So then that one group, they get that one seat, but they can't influence the vote in the other three or four surrounding seats or whatever. They're all packed up into one specific district. And that's where they stay. So that district is a safe district and it always wins. But those voters never then get to vote and influence the surrounding areas. So those are like two different types of strategies. Um, and just real quickly before I move on from gerrymandering, there are different solutions about how you can prevent or negate gerrymandering, kind of deal with it. Um, one of them is independent commissions of judges. So we have like an independent third party of people who draw the lines, not this, the legislature of like the city or of the state to, that, do, that does it. There's still flaws in that system because, you know, you never know exactly how independent that commission is based on their political connections and, and, and that type of stuff easy you know for corruption to exist but it's still one step removed from the current system uh one more loophole that you know one more uh, hoop to jump through um there's also something you can use essentially use math or algorithms to uh to do the gerrymandering for you to just split up to draw the districts essentially for you so where you take it out of human hands and you let a computer do it um that may be mathematically oh, fair wow. yeah that's that's a possibility um and yeah, maybe maybe numbers. It, you know, you can say numbers are unbiased or whatever, but even if you carve up districts 100% randomly based on an algorithm, you're still going to get certain disparities. Like there's still going to be certain, you know, uh, built certain like biases or whatever kind of built into the system or that it just occur based on how society's built up. Wherever you draw these lines, you're going to have some disparities, some sort of things like that. So it doesn't really like totally fix the problem, but it is it is taking it out of human hands at least um whatever that's worth to you the third option that's presented um in this video is proportional gerrymandering which is essentially uh you know if you can't beat them join them sort of attitude where it's like well let's just do gerrymandering 100 percent and like super regulate it and restrict it to where you have to it has to be proportional um and like exactly what that looks like in practice i'm not 100 percent sure um i guess just a more regulated version of what we have now but those are, you know, it's not a perfect solution. Anytime you draw lines anywhere on a map, you're going to have problems <laughs> with how you do that because human beings are, are, you know, occupy space in all sorts of uneven and unequal levels. But anyway, so that's what that is. If you want to know more about it, there's a ton of videos on YouTube uh, that you can find, but I'm also leaking w- one of my favorites in the description. So the next thing I want to talk to you guys about, I'm um, trying to get through this as quickly as possible, guys, uh, is court cases. Um... So there are two Supreme, well, one of them's a Supreme Court. Well, yeah, they were a Supreme Court. Okay, so in 2013, uh, there was this court case titled Shelby v. Holder that essentially knocked down one of the provisions of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And it uh, essentially, the, the part of it that bars certain jurisdictions from making changes and affecting voting without prior approval by the U.S. Attorney General or the U.S. District Court for D.C. So like there was federal oversight if states were going to change voting laws. That got knocked down in 2013, and so ever since 2013, states have been changing their voting laws because now the federal government can't intervene. That was decided by the Supreme Court. Um, now there's a separate case, not now, it's, it's finally resolved, but there's a separate case that came out of Texas titled Abbott v. Perez um, that was a case based on gerrymandering. And so they were pretty much saying that the 2011 map that was drawn in these certain districts of the state of Texas uh, were drawn based on racial biases or guidelines and that there was racial discrimination based on the way that they drew those districts. Um, they took it to court. It's a, I'm not going to go through the entire thing. It actually is a very, I'm going to link to the OYEZ article to, or you can read the entire process of how the thing went down. It, of course, like most cases do, took years to go through this process, but long story short, um, they essentially, uh, how do I even make this a long story short? <laughs> Let's see. Um, Abbott beep. So they send it to the district courts in Texas and the district courts are working it out. And during that process is when the, the other court that I had just mentioned, uh, Shelby V holder, that, that decision had passed. So then the state tried to get the, the, the these cases thrown out because of that new, you know, essentially new case law. And they didn't throw it out, but the Supreme Court then decided not to see the case and they knocked it back down to the Texas District Court. And they decided there that... um Where is it at? It, okay, so then they decided to uh, have the trial in 2014 over the 2013 district maps. And then in August 2017, the District Court issued an interlocutory order uh, regarding the plaintiff's claims and they did find racial discrimination and they did find violations of the 14th and 5th 14th Amendment and the second section of the Voting Rights Act and then the state of Texas appealed and it went up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court uh, the conservative Supreme Court of 2018 sided with the state essentially and said the district courts were wrong, reversed the district court decision. There was no, uh, you know, racial gerrymandering essentially, and that they said that legislators are entitled a presumption of good faith, uh, and that they oh, they were not given that presumption of good faith by the district court, and then they further said that past discrimination uh, is not sufficient evidence enough to undermine the good faith presumption. Um, and so that was a five to four. Basically
1: they're saying that all of the racist stuff that the GOP has done in the past to do voter suppression, like shouldn't matter in 2014 or or 13.
0: Yeah. Our,
2: Our whole like country's premise is like, it's supposed to be structured, like not at all based on a presumption of good faith. Like it's supposed to, like we're supposed to keep each other in check and like, always presume that something will go wrong like theoretically yeah that's the that's the idea presumption of good faith. yeah yeah
3: remember guys you're only a criminal if you're not a republican true
0: yeah so so that happened it was finally decided on in 2018 and uh i did i did want to read the dissent uh at the end of it to to you guys um Justice I would so- love to. Hear it. Justice Sotomayor filed a dissenting opinion and was joined by Justices Breyer, Ginsburg, Justice Breyer, Justice Ginsburg and Kagan. Uh, Sotomayor rejected the majority's assertion that the court had jurisdiction to hear the case, disagreeing with its conclusion that the lower court's orders constituted an injunction, and she also disagreed with the majority's conclusion that the te- Texas District Court had erred with regard to the legal test for discriminatory intent. Sotomayor contended that the lower court had engaged in a careful consideration of the legislator's intent rather than presuming insidious intent. Individious. Invidious? Invidious intent. I guess that's the opposite. And correctly found that the legislature's intended to discriminate. So, I mean, they were saying like, yeah, they were totally being discriminatory. They didn't even really, that the Supreme Court shouldn't even really be seeing the case. Um, But they were in the minority and that, that is why it's a dissenting opinion so so yeah so So what
1: sucks about that though right is that um it kind of sets a precedent for like future cases who uh, uh or i guess like future instances of like racially biased gerrymandering in the state of texas like even though gerrymandering is illegal um in theory i guess like in practice now there's a precedent that you can't um, sue the state like on basis on that basis right
0: yeah
1: is that how that's going to play out so like say like in Tarrant County if I was like oh the way that you know stop six and and poly is like all divided up is like totally racist and it's like intended to disenfranchise voters in these areas um, I would probably not be able to win a case in the state of Texas um, you know because this precedent has been has been set and now it's been seen before the federal supreme court yeah and the federal supreme court is saying no like you have to assume that legislators in tarrant county when they're doing their redistricting are acting in good faith and you can't just assume they're being racist even though they say oftentimes that they're racist
3: yes you can still challenge that legally because that's that's how decisions there's a lot of decisions in the supreme court that get reversed a lot of times Plessy like, versus uh, Ferguson being
0: but, being the big but, one that sticks out to me.
1: For, but it might not get knocked up to, like, kicked up to the Oh, Supreme yeah, it's court. incredibly because difficult. the judges that are seeing it at the district court level are going to be like, oh, well, the Supreme Court case already says mm-hmm. yeah. that there's no legal standing here, so we're not going to, so I'm just going to dismiss the case or whatever. Like, yeah. like it, it just makes it harder for cases to, to yeah. for any more future cases of gerry- challenging gerry- gerrymandering to, like, Get to the Supreme Court to maybe you know have the ruling be overturned or whatever. Yep. Yeah. In the future.
0: That's so dumb. Yeah, it is dumb. And like, and even though they, you know, they were like, prior history doesn't matter. I'm gonna tell you guys. That's what I'm gonna wrap up here with. Like, what some of that prior history is. Um. And so just like a lot of the other former Confederate states. Uh, after Reconstruction in 1887, so after the Civil War, if, for those who don't know, there's a 12-year period from 1865 to 1877 called Reconstruction, and this was a brief period of actual progress. During this period, African american this is when the 15th, 16th, and I'm uh, sorry, 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments were passed—that essentially freed the slaves, made them citizens, and then gave them the right to vote. Then, during this twelve year period, uh, over a thousand African American men served in all sorts of political offices, from state and city offices to governors, and then even in the Senate and in the House of Representatives. Uh, all of that was pushed back and ended in eighteen seventy seven uh with pretty much when the federal occupation of the South with like federal troops being in the former confederacy they went they went back home after that. This the the southern states started doing voter suppression, uh, and they they were doing you know essentially targeting you know former slaves at this point, and they were doing things what are called black codes, which is like early Jim Crow, where they just took old laws that said slaves and they changed it to blacks, and that's all they that was that. Um, you have you know the grandfather clause, which was if your grandfather couldn't vote, then you couldn't vote. So if you were a first generation, vote. yeah, first generation, you know, per- slave would have to wait, you know. Or you didn't get to do it because your grandfather didn't. You had to wait two generations, you know, until that actually, then you were actually allowed to vote in the places where they had something like that. You have poll taxes, which is also, you know, just, you got to pay to be able to vote. And if you can't pay, you can't vote. So that's obviously a class dynamic thing, but they were targeting, uh, you know, a specific portion of the population with that, with the assumption that, okay, well, you were, you recently freed people. You don't have a lot of Wealth accumulated yet, which also was another issue that never was really dealt with. You know, reparations were talked about, but were never mm-hmm. achieved. Um, Forty-eight. Some of it's mule. a little ridiculous. Like, guess how many olives are in this jar? <laughs>
3: <laughs> to to that do was one of the best ones I'm like. To do what? To be. To, to vote. <laughs> that was one of the tests. If they wow. couldn't, that was one of their intelligence tests. If they couldn't guess how many, how many olives or whatever was in this jar, they couldn't vote. A few of them were able to because they were really smart and could do math, but yeah, the normal person, black or white, couldn't do it. But they were only giving it to people of color.
0: They're just making this stuff up as they go. Yeah, so that's so that's like Basically. really, really, you know. And you could argue that there's been voter suppression before that with just property owning people or whatever. Like you could probably draw the line wherever you want. Um, but I think for our purposes, 1877 is a decent enough line to like kind of start pointing back to. Um, I'm going to uh, just kind of read a couple of quick hit points that I've got listed here. So Texas history of history of disenfranchising voters from holding whites only primaries uh, to barring people from voting based on whether they speak English to outright intimidation and in closing of voting locations in minority you know s- locations uh, was so notorious that for years the state had to get the, the Department of Justice approval for any election changes under Section five of the Voting Rights Act. Um, in 2017, the Republican-led Texas legislature ended straight-ticket voting. So this is another example of more recent suppression. Uh, when a person votes for all of the candidates in a single party, there used to be a box that you could just check and be like, all Democrats are all Republicans. They got rid of that because proportionately the people who voted straight-ticket tended to be more Democrat. So it was, a, it was a way to kind of target Democratic voters. Um, the, uh, so we have the the reduction of polling locations in the state. Over the past few years, they've reduced that number to a, by 50%. I don't know exactly when that cutoff date is, six years, eight years or something. Um, one law in particular uh, impacted uh, is, a, is a 30-day deadline for in-person voter registration. So we talked about that already. You got to register 30 days out, even though some places have online registration, which we don't. And some places have like, you can register the day you vote. So you just kind of get registered and then you go vote. Uh, you can't do that here. Um, this... Political scientists looked at how easy it is to vote in all 50 states, tracking 39 different data points or 39 different factors, and found that Texas has the most restrictive set of laws in the country. Uh, And he found that the eight most difficult states to vote in were former Confederate states. Um, Such laws have proliferated across the southern U.S. since 2013, uh, like I said earlier, with that Supreme Court decision. Uh, Shelby v. Holder, that kind of let states be able to do make these new laws without federal oversight. And someone from that article quotes, all these articles are going to be posted down below, by the way. Um, it's pre-1965 all over again. Maldonado said we cannot afford to continue along this road. So, okay, well, what was happening in pre-1965? Well, now this is from a Texas monthly article. Uh, give me one second. Let me just pull that up. Uh, In 1964, the Republican National Committee organized a nationwide expansion of poll watching, a poll watching campaign. It was called Operation Eagle Eye, uh, building on, quote unquote, ballot security initiatives by the same name run by local Republican parties the years before. Uh, The New York Times reported that the director of the operation, Charles Barr, expected to successfully challenge or discourage from voting 1.25 million persons and quoted Barr as denying that there was anything discriminatory in Eagle Eye against any race, creed, or economic status. So they were claiming that they were just trying to equally disenfranchise 1.25 million voters and that they weren't (laughs) discriminating on who those voters were. Um, (laughs) The Republican Party organized an estimated 10,000 poll watchers in Texas in 1964, or one in 10 of the national number. Which was a remarkable figure back then, because the at this time in '64, the GOP, the Republicans, were v- still virtually irrelevant in Texas. This is during that transition to where the Re- Democrats and the Republicans kind of flip flop as far as like what they represent. You know, the Republicans traditionally being the party of Lincoln, uh, and the South being a bunch of racist Democrats essentially. Well, over the '60s, starting with Goldwater and kind of moving on uh, as you as you get to Nixon. That changes and that flip-flops. And so this is kind of right in the middle of that. The GOP is just now starting to gain traction in Texas with these types of behaviors. Um, That year, flyers authored by the non-existent Harris County Negro Protective Association were flyers that they put up that warned black voters that they could be arrested for voting if they had been even so much as questioned by the police for any offense, including traffic violations. So if you'd ever been pulled over you weren't allowed to vote. And that's what they were putting on flyers targeted African-Americans. The chairman of the Harris County GOP charts at the party had found more than a thousand fictitious voter registrations. He was so the same thing that we hear today. Oh, we find, we're finding hundreds of examples of vote of fic, fake, fake people voting. They were saying the same thing back in 64, over a thousand, they claimed. In Travis County, Republicans said they had found a hundred phantom voters circulating pictures of cemetery and vacant lot where they were apparently registered. Uh, when the Austin American looked into the allegations, the newspaper found simple clerical errors. In each case, the address was off by a single digit. The pattern that set that year would repeat time and time again in Texas. At a 1980 gathering of Christian conservatives in Dallas, at which were uh, for future President Ronald Reagan, where he spoke, uh, prominent activist and organizer Paul Wyrick ridiculed Christians who were infected with what he called Goo Goo Syndrome which is to say that they believed in good government ideals, such as getting more Americans to vote. I don't want everybody to vote, he said. Our leverage in the election goes up as the voting populace goes down. Wyrick wasn't some crank. He was a co-founder of the Moral Majority, the Heritage Foundation, and the American Legislative Ex- Exchange Council, among other Republican groups. Uh, ALEC, ALEC, later became instrumental in helping state legislators put up n- new impediments to voting. So ALEC, if you don't know, is essentially like a writing house. They just write legislation that you can copy and paste that other people pick up. So like if you want anti-abortion legislation, like ALEC has a document, you can just copy and paste it and send it to your state legislators and they'll do it. So ALEC has kind of been ruining our political system ever since they've been, been around. Anyway, that's a whole separate thing. Um the Heritage Foundation maintains a database on what, is called, uh, what it calls proven instances of electionist fraud. And it totals, so this is the Heritage Foundation, the same thing. You just were talking about them a little a minute ago, Thomas, uh, and this dude that I was mm-hmm. just talking about, Wyrick, he, he helped found that organization. It says that there's a total of 1,298 cases over two decades uh, of proper instances or proven instances of, of voter fraud. And many of which concern improper handling of a single ballot or non-voting related offenses like petition gathering, a laughably small number in a country where we have 130 million ballots that are cast in each presidential election, roughly. So even the Heritage Foundation, even the most conservative like source, has only just under 1300 cases of voter fraud or you know voter issues over the past two decades. And so if you, yeah, you put that into percentages, that's just a fraction of a fraction of a percent of, you know, that's not rampant voter fraud across the country or even across the state of Texas. So, yeah, that is, that's, you know, if you want to know more about these things, again, you can read on, there's more, the links will be provided below. But that's essentially, you know, kind of the state of voter suppression here in the state of Texas, you know, over the past, you know, since the 20th century. Anybody else have anything I want to say about that, or there, Thomas, or you want to pick up where I left off, or, you know,
3: yeah, yeah. So, um, while there's only been that many proven cases, that has not stopped uh, people from trying to, you know, prosecute. Like Ken Paxton has gone ham. All right. Um, according to him, there have been 531 election fraud offenses prosecuted by Ken Paxton since 2004. That does not mean there have been cases of voter fraud. These are just allegations, okay? Uh, 97 pro- prosecuted election violations in 2018 alone, and he says there's 234 currently active fraud fraud investigations. However, um, everything I've looked at has a much smaller number. Uh, according to KXAN in Austin, there only been one hundred and fifty people charged with voter fraud since two thousand and four, but it rarely resulted in, in time and jail time. However, doesn't mean it can't. Like uh, this woman in Fort Worth. Let me get her name real quick. Um, basically, she was uh, out of prison. She she was, you know, convicted of hell. She was on supervised release. Okay, um, her PO officer did not tell her. She couldn't vote, okay? And, and in a lot of states, if you go to prison, you can't vote at all. In some states, it doesn't matter. If you go to prison, you could still vote. Uh, Texas basically kind of has a middle-of-the-road approach. Uh, if you go to prison, you can't vote. But when you get out, as long as you, you know, serve your sentence and you deal with all your probation and everything, you get your right to vote, vote again. Well, no one really told her that. So she gets out. She's trying to reform so her life. She's good? trying to—, to Sorry.
1: Oh, I was just going to ask, um, how long is the, is there like a a certain amount of time that a person who's been convicted of a felony has to wait before they're able uh, to be eligible to vote again in Texas?
3: Good, good question. In the state of Texas, uh, no, uh, there's no like extra waiting time in itself. You literally just have to make sure that you're not on probation. All your stuff is, uh, taken care of. And, uh, You can you can vote what happened to Crystal Mason is her name is she went to go try to vote and she wasn't on the ballot So she casted what's called a provisional ballot, which provisional ballots for the record almost never count anyways Okay, because first of all they make it incredibly difficult Literally the next day you have to go somewhere with an ID and verify your 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 identity For that to even be considered counted, but there's still a little thing saying it's provisional ballots they do not really count them unless the election's really, really close, okay? And if you don't do anything, it gets tossed out anyway. So she cast a provisional ballot, and uh, what ends hap—what ended up happening was they're like, hey, you tried to do this intentionally, and they threw the book at her, okay? The state of Texas gave her five years, and that's what most people were reporting. But according to uh, this attorney's website, uh, I think it's actually called Criminal Attorney, uh, Fort Worth according to a uh, Where is it? According to a uh, Criminal attorney, attorney Fort Worth According to a lawyer known as Brandon Fulgham uh, She didn't just get uh, Five years Oh, I'm sorry, let me correct this She didn't get five years She got an additional ten months in federal prisons After five years in state prison Because there's a statute So, you know, she could be looking at close to six uh, originally, I thought it said 10 year, ten year, an additional 10 years. It's an additional 10 months, but still. Um, the kicker was that they said they weren't going after people who do this accidentally, but she clearly did. Yeah. And uh, recently, uh, her case was appealed in front of a board that was literally three Republicans, and they struck it down again. Mm. Um, they tend to do this to kind of send messages to... Discredit people from voting if you go to the democracy docket right now. We'll have a note for this There's literally a list of active cases of people just fighting uh, You know voter laws, there's a lot of Republicans, you know Suing saying you shouldn't have been able to vote and they're trying to disenfranchise voters. and There's actually a lot of Democrats who are voting and they're trying to uh, You know make sure people vote people's votes counts and that's really good Um particularly i want to i want to spend a little bit of time on uh, the state of georgia uh, georgia's been very contested because it's mm-hmm. i think it's actually turning blue The um, thing is there's a lot of voter suppression going on in georgia there is a lot of voter purging by the governor so if y'all don't know what b- voter purging is um, you know republicans suppress votes not just with b- voting laws but they'll go ahead of time and they'll try to purge your vote. One of the biggest things you'll see is called uh voter caging. Let me pull this up real quick. Pull up my notes. But basically essentially what they do is they'll send out mail and then anyone who does who gets like a return service, so let's say like for whatever reason, maybe this person moved or whatever, automatically purged. Anyone with that same name automatically purged. And what happens is they end up right. purging millions of people. Between two thousand fourteen, two thousand sixteen, it picked up big time, like about thirty percent of what they normally do. It it ended up purging sixteen million voters off the rolls. Uh and that's still going on today. Like that's what they did in Georgia in the uh in the two on the coming up of the two thousand eighteen uh election is they purged about two million voters or tried to um and then they tried to do it again, and I think in twenty nineteen, and they ended up trying to get like three hundred thousand people saying they had moved. The problem is only about like a third of them, and probably less than that, actually. only about a third of them they could prove had moved. The other you know two thirds uh, were mostly voters of color, and some of them had lived in Georgia. For the past 20 years, and either they voted or hadn't voted or didn't know what their voting rights were, and they just took them right off the polls. And what they'll do is they'll take them off there, and this especially works in places like Texas, because, you know, once again, you're not registered a month before,
0: you can't vote. Um, so you check you, ch- and that's the thing we have to check and see if we're still registered regularly because of these purges, which is just another step like, oh, OK, I did yep. the effort to actually get registered. Yay. Mm-hmm. Well, like if you don't check in a couple, you know, every year, essentially like mm-hmm. and, a, and a month yeah. before you can re-register, then you, you know, then you can register again and get it done in time. But it's just it's a lot to keep track of for, you know, normal people.
3: Which, by the way, Texas, uh, you've got some city council. Elections and some mayor elections, especially in Fort Worth coming up about a month. I would make sure you're registered. I would get registered. I would get as many people as registered as possible. And I would start now because you're only going to have maybe a week or two from now. So you'll be able to eligible to vote because then there won't be enough time.
0: Yep. The election for city council and mayors on May 1st, they're going to start early voting like two weeks before that um so that's your that's your cutoff you had to be registered a month before that so mm-hmm. april 1st you know through the half of march so yeah your time's coming up pretty quick yeah um
1: yeah. and i i would just like to to reiterate um just to kind of touch on the voting the voting purges thomas that you're talking about yes, just ma'am. to make sure that the audience understands how how this works um because like one like really infuriating example of voter purging is um, the GOP specifically looking for like duplicate names on the registry. So like, and they'll, and they look for, you know, names that are like more typical of like a particular um, minority group or, you know, like, um, like BIPOC people such as, um, you know, maybe a really common name, like, like Juan Rodriguez, you know, Um, if there are multiple people with the name juan rodriguez you know they take all of the duplicate names or what they're what they're considering Mm. to be duplicate names and like purging everybody with that name from the voting registry and they don't and you're not informed if you've been purged so like these individuals um you know honestly like they're not like like applying to vote like multiple times they're just multiple people with a common name like such as like john smith or whatever um, and like kicking these people off the red street not letting them know and then when that person goes to vote they're like oh well i'm not actually registered you know like oh how did that happen and it's because the um you know the Repu- the gop is like taking off the register then they it's too late to register again so they're just like you know disenfranchised from voting for that election which is insane and it's it's yeah it's terrible and it, it's not just in georgia it happens in in many GOP states, yeah. and I believe it, it happens in Texas as well.
3: Oh yeah, no, it happens in a lot of states. If you go to Wikipedia, it gives examples of caging, which is a very popular version of uh, voter purging, which we, was I was just talking about, which they're literally trying just to get people off. If you know you, they get like a return to sender sent. Uh, hmm. Three cases I'm going to point out is New Jersey 1981, Louisiana 1986, Michigan 2008. Uh, every single case, the RNC was trying to purge votes using voter caging. Um, that seems to be a very common thing. I also, you know, would like to point out that most of the communities that are affected like this usually vote Democrat. So that's that's kind of been the the Republican strategy is just to make sure they don't show up at the, vote, uh, at the polls. Um, I would suggest you know doing everything you can to know your rights as a voter. Um, don't necessarily take anyone's world Word for it, they say you can or cannot vote. You need to find out for yourself. I have, I personally ran into at least three felons, one of which is a, is like one of my oldest friends. Um, none of them knew what their voting rights were. I have, you know, one who still thinks he can't vote, even though he's cleared his stuff, done his probation, he's good. I had another one I ran into. He thought he couldn't vote. He'd been cleared for like six years. You know, he was so happy when I told him that you know, he he basically paid for my meal. I ran into him at a restaurant. And I mean, they do this for a reason. Like, they try to discourage felon from voting, or really anyone that isn't going to vote their way, they're going to try to discourage them. The only reason they, they, they haven't, like, some of the laws they have will suppress them even further. So, like, take mail-in voting. There's a good reason why the only people who can vote are, by mail are people with a disability or people over the age of 65. Because the elderly tend tend to vote more Republican. Yep. Yep. So this is a very partisan issue. I'm not saying the Dem- Democratic Party doesn't do it, but this is the GOP's bread and butter.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's because of the yeah. the demographic changes and the projections of when when the white becomes a a you know minority majority or whatever or rather you know. When Latinos rather become a manure you know what I'm talking about. I can't say yep. Amber help. Yeah,
1: you mean when, when people of color replace all the whites. Yeah, and, that um, one become an endangered species.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the white genocide that ever, that the white uh, nationalists have been talking about. Yeah, um, whenever that ha- I mean, this right. is just a response to that. <laughs> you know, the, and it, and it, it, there is no white genocide. I, yeah, so. it's,
1: yeah. <laughs> No, there's no, there's no white genocide. Um, and I think the, like, what makes me like, what gives me just like a little bit of like, like happiness or like silver lining, I guess, like, to, you know, like when you look at this issue is that like the fact that the GOP is having to, is going through like all of these like extreme measures and jumping through all of these crazy hoops to try to suppress the democratic vote and the vote of black and indigenous people of color is obviously because they are in fear of losing their status Mm -hmm. and power in our um in in u.s politics you know what i mean like their party is becoming irrelevant and you know it doesn't appear that way or at least like up until like you know maybe like i guess you could say like trump or whatever like they seemed like a legitimate party you know and like now they're really starting to kind of unravel and um you know like like just like polling data and it's like you know like i guess like the whole thing is that like the more like when more people are able to vote and when more people just like sheer numbers like when just like the volume of voters like increases in texas and in this country um people tend to vote more democratic you know there are more democrats than there like literally there are more literal democrats than there are Republicans. And that is the reason why they go through these extreme measures to vote, you know, or to like suppress people's vote, because there literally are more of us than there are of them. And they know that. And so they're like pulling all of these like sneaky tricks and doing all the shady stuff. Yeah.
0: Which is why they advocate for keeping the Electoral College, even though everyone can agree that the Electoral College is as a broken system, if you know anything about it. But like Republicans want to keep that broken system because it's the only way they're going to be able to maintain <laughs> their power. No, is it you know keep the
3: power. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's so it's shrinking. So it's like you have that. sorry. Oh, I was going to say you have three times the number of bills to restrict voting access as compared to this time last year. Twenty-eight states have introduced pre-filed carryover 106 restrictive b- bills. Good news is though. In that same amount of time, 35 states have introduced pre-filed to carry over 406 bills, which is significantly more. It's about 300 more votes. So what's happening now is they're really, I think we're seeing a really big push for voter enfranchisement. I think what's mm-hmm. going to happen is this is going to end up biting the GOP, you know, in yeah, the butt because be they've response. just been trying to stop everyone from voting.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's important. We're in Texas behind the national trend because of everything we just talked about right like everything that you've heard because of because of all the suppression and everything like we it these you know people that you were talking about in Texas need to be enfranchised or mean you know and be able to vote have the access to vote have their voices heard and like once that happens then that change towards the national average of like there being more Democrats well you'll actually see it but it, it until We get rid of a lot of these suppressions until the Republicans in the state of Texas and the governor like stops doing this stuff, which Abbott's not going to do. And like these people that we've currently got in office, they're not going to do. It's going to continue to be more of the same. Like we're going to it's going to be an uphill battle until that until you reach that peak.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we can't have nice until we like address this whole voter suppression thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to, um, I don't know, just to touch a little bit more on like um, this enfranchisement of like those who have been, you know, previously ensnared by our criminal legal system um, and all of the misinformation that's out there, you know, that's like intentionally like misinformed. Um, like one of the main reasons that, you know, people who have like previously been convicted of felonies aren't able to vote is because of the. Egregious racial disparities in our criminal legal system, and the disproportionate number of people who people of color who are charged with crimes. There's disproportionate Mm -hmm. sentences. You know, like white people will get off for crimes that you know that a person of color or a black person particularly might be charged like 10 or 15 years for. And so, you know, this is what some scholars, such as Um, You know, Michelle Alexander, who wrote the new Jim Crow, um, has, you know, I guess, you know, this makes the case for, like, why our criminal justice system um, is basically like, you know, re-implementing, you know, policies that are from slave times, you know, um, times of slavery. And um, this is kind of the the, the new way of keeping, you know, Black people from voting. Country um, and and if it were mostly white people, you know, <laughs> who were who are being incarcerated, being charged with felonies, we wouldn't probably see this type of voter suppression. Oh. Um, you know what I mean? And so I think it's really important to, to note that it's not the fact that these people have committed felonies and that's why we're like, oh, maybe they shouldn't be allowed to vote. It's the fact that these people are of color and that's why the GOP is like, oh, we don't want these people voting. And if you look at what happened in Florida, Florida, of all places, actually voted to um, restore voting rights to people who had previously been incarcerated. Um, and it was a really like kind of a landmark, um, like like criminal justice reform policy um, just a few years ago. And what did the GOP in Florida do? The legislator basically, even though the people voted, yes. Because they have the referendums there. Yes. We want these people to be able to vote. The GOP legislature was like, oh, well, okay, I guess we're going to let this happen, but we're going to set up all of these additional barriers for these individuals to have to jump through before they can get their voting rights back, even though Means the testing. electorate said that was what they wanted. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know, <clears throat> those people, the GOP, like, I, it, it gets me really mad. Sorry. I wanted to kind of touch on there. Um, and Thomas, do you have any anything else that you wanted to cover before we move on to uh, Greg Abbott's State of the State address?
3: No, uh, I was just going to reiterate the, uh, the Ken Paxton uh, crusade that's probably unjustified. Uh, but yeah, uh, we pretty much hit all the points I had. Um, I think we're ready to roll on to the next thing.
1: Okay, well, I have a little bit of uh, Ken Paxton here as well. So feel free to, to jump in with what information you have there. Um, so what I wanted to to talk about, you know, like in, in the air of, um, or like under, since we're talking about voter suppression, like one of the things that has really been on my mind, watching the fallout of um, all of this election fraud nonsense um, that's being spouted and perpetuated and these conspiracy theories that are forming and coming out of the GOP party. Like one of the things that's really been on my mind, knowing Texas and knowing the Texas GOP, as I have lived here forever, um, and knowing what they're what kind of tricks they get up to, you know, some of what we just uh, talked about. Um, what I've been really wondering is what are the potential um, consequences, you know, like regarding vo- like future voter suppression? Based on all of these claims of election fraud, because to me, in my mind, I would not put it past the GOP to use these claims um, that have been coming become so commonplace, you know, like in the last like few months or whatever. Like, I, I would not be surprised if they use that as an excuse to do more voter suppression. So, um, what really piqued my attention is like earlier this week, Greg Abbott gave a state of the state address, um, and the Texas Tribune covered it, uh, particularly um, the article that I'm talking about was written by a reporter called Patrick Steve uh, Um I looked up how to say his name. Um, um, anyways, uh, but he thought, like Greg Abbott in his uh, speech talked about five emergency items um, that he wants to see addressed in this upcoming legislative session. Well, I guess in this current legislative session as it started on January 12th. Um, and what I didn't initially understand when I w- when I was learning about the state of the state address is that because Greg Abbott has um, noted that these topics and these issues are, uh, he's labeled them as emergency items, that means that the legislature uh, can vote on them within the first 60 days of the session. So he's basically like putting the legislature on notice saying, hey, these are the five things that are of um, imminent importance and they need to be voted on asap um so i'll go over the i'll just say what the five items are but the one that we're really going to focus on is item four so item one um is expanding broad net broadband internet access um which is a good thing yeah um in my opinion um item two is punishing local governments that quote defund the police um and you guys know i want to go on about that but i want to stay on topic so we'll have to yeah. cover that later yeah um, number three is uh changing the bail system which sounds potentially good on the surface but we're talking about greg abbott so um it's not progressive it's the opposite um number four election integrity which we are going to talk about Um, And then number five is providing civil liability protections for businesses that were open during the pandemic. That's neither here nor there, you know. So one of the things that like piqued my attention about this is that I was because I follow Greg Abbott on Twitter. I don't think it's good for my mental health, but I do it anyways. Um, I stay outraged um, on a regular basis because you guys know my feelings on Greg Abbott. But anyways, like this whole time that this whole election fraud thing has been going on, um, I see most of his tweets and he has been tweeting out over and over again, like Texas elections are secure. There's nothing to be concerned about here in Texas. Like we have the best elections of any other state, like blah, blah, blah. You know, like really like not by not playing into what the other GOP members, even here in our own state, obviously Ted Cruz being one of them, um, not playing into this whole like conspiracy about election fraud. And so I was really, we I was kind of, concerned when I saw that was like one of his five emergency items that he wants to have he voted on as soon as possible um and I thought maybe he's just trying to pander to Texas Republicans who are Trump supporters and have fallen victim of the election fraud claims like maybe because there is an election coming up and you know there's a lot of talk about Beto O'Rourke like running against Abbott maybe he's just trying to pander to his base. but I wanted to know like specifically what he's getting up to. So what it turns out is that he has continued to maintain that um that the election in 2020 in the state of Texas um was not stolen that um you know by Biden won fair and square. However, he's saying that election integrity is really important and that voter fraud is something that we should all be concerned about as Texans. Um, And so the whole thing with the election integrity is that he wants to instill trust and confidence in the outcomes of our elections, even though, as we just discussed, Texas has the most restrictive voting laws in the entire country. Um, And so I found another article from the Dallas Morning News um, by a reporter named Robert T. Garrett, um, who was actually like, I guess like his ears perked up the way that mine did and was like, oh, like Abbott's talking about election fraud. Like, is this really just opening a door to do more voter suppression. And so he wrote an article this last week um, and talked about which this was new information to me, but apparently during Greg Abbott's time as attorney general of Texas, actually um, like chose to pursue voter fraud um, and created an entire unit in the attorney general's office like um, for investigating instances of voter fraud, even though they really didn't find anything like at all. Um, and that was actually started like back in the 2000s. And so they like spent like got a, like a government, like a federal grant of like, like $1.5 million and like use the money to like investigate this like non-existent problem, um, only to find that it was a non-existent problem. And the claims that, that, that were discovered were people like, you know, like Thomas talked about like people moving and not updating their address and, um, you know, mostly just like honest mistakes that were, you know, either like oh you have to pay a fine or maybe serve like a small amount of of time in in you know county jail or whatever. But um, it was really you know there's really nothing there. <laughs> but um, Abbott has not like even though he is like saying that like election integrity is like an emergency imminent problem, he hasn't really put forth any specific legislative policies or proposals that he wants, uh, to be voted on. And that is because like other people in the GOP have already started working on this. Um, and so like the target is going to be, um, part of, uh, is going to be like the mail-in ballots and passing legislation that absentee ballots cannot be sent to invite to entire voter voter rolls. So like, for instance, I think it was Houston was like wanting to send out absentee ballots to like everybody registered to vote in their, in the County in Harris County. And, um, and, you know, like that got knocked down. And so they ultimately weren't able to do that, but they're wanting to make um, in a legis- like pass legislation that says, um, you know, that we can never send, you know, absentee ballots to everybody registered in an entire county. Um, and another thing is um, that they're looking to do is to make it, uh, oh, okay. So like, that is like part of the a legislative agenda they're shooting for and then they also want to require proof of citizenship to be able to register to vote um and those are like two of the biggest items on the gop um, legislative initiative this session um and so one of the there was a bill that actually like died in the house um last last session and it was basically seeking to criminalize even honest mistakes that people make when voting and um which would have opened which just opens the door to like all different types of voter suppression so like there's a gop senator um named brian hughes who is planning to reintroduce this bill and he's saying um that it would that it's simply to eliminate vulnerabilities in the voting process for unscrupulous people who are trying to exploit it and so like they're basically trying to like like amp up the fines and like make it a potential like felony offense to like if you try to vote and you're not able to. So like right now, um, and I thought Garrett did a really good job um, covering the, or because he included like what the current fines are. And so I'll just read a couple of like what the two fines are relating to voter uh, voter fraud as it stands today. So like um, witnessing more than one person's mail-in ballot application in one year can be a class mis- a class B misdemeanor, punishable by up to 180 days in jail, a $2,000 fine or both, and committing mail ballot fraud, um, such as submitting false information or securing a ballot without telling the voter is a state jail felony. Um, those are punishable by between 180 days and two years in state jail, not a prison, uh, plus a fine of up to ten thousand um, dollars. If the fraud is a re- is a repeat offense or involves a person sixty five years or older, it's a third degree felony, <laughs> carrying between two and ten years in prison and up to 18. 18- These are the current laws um, for you know like making you know messing up when you're trying to vote or maybe some people are like trying to actually do you know, like legitimate voter fraud or whatever, um, being unscrupulous as uh, as uh, Senator Hughes says. Um, but the Republican Party is trying to like up these charges so that, um, you know, like even people who are, you know, like maybe not as familiar with like what you have to do to vote or like what the rules are, like the woman that Thomas talked about here in Tarrant County, um, you know, like it could make it to where it's like if you, don't know what the rules are like maybe you just decide not to vote because you're like scared of like catching a, a felony case or or a state jail case yeah. um although i would like to point out that in texas like you know like no state jails are not technically prison but it might as well be um you know like i'm from south dallas suburbs like i've heard horror stories about loose Garrett. um you know state jail in texas is like it's not like a nice place to be you know Um, we're not somewhere i would want to spend two years would you um, say there's (laughs) more
0: resources in the federal system than in the state system for those things
1: um i actually am not for sure i was just looking at the at the state Mm -hmm. um state policies um but that's what the uh that's what the agenda is that's what and so abbott is not coming out and saying these are the things that i want to see passed He's, like, leaving it up to these other, like, crazy senators and, like, crazy, you know, GOP individuals who um, are already working on on these policies. And he's just saying, oh, like, election integrity, like, it's an emergency decision. So, like, the way I'm reading it and understanding the situation is that Abbott doesn't want to be the one to say, like, these are what I want to see happen because he's governor. So I guess in some way we're supposed to like believe that he's like bipartisan or whatever. He's just like opening the door for his friends to come in with like these really intense um, and unnecessary
2: policies. He's just gifting them the the time slot. He's Mm -hmm. like, I have these five slots for emergency things. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I owe you guys something. Here you go. Have your election. Uh, Uh, election fraud slot do with it as you will regardless of how theoretically potentially evil it is yes
1: yeah exactly and so like Mm. it's i don't know it's really crazy to me and like i mean even abbott himself has said that he saw no evidence of election fraud you know the aclu is saying this is a non-existent problem which obviously like you know like republicans don't like view the aclu as like having any legitimacy or whatever but the rest of us know that it is you know so there's like all this evidence that this like isn't a real problem yet at the same time that you know texas is like you know there's all this talk about texas turning blue you know um the republican party is just like trying to take advantage of this like you know conspiracy theory that was started by the trump campaign um and just using to it, it as, like yeah. yeah to crack down and make it even harder
2: um yeah yeah, being um, like, no, we're we're a Republican state, like, like, and you know, if I'm I'm assuming what happened in in Tarrant County happened in at least a couple of other places, um, in the state, um, certainly. Where we where yeah. we turned blue, um, I, I think for the first time. No, 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 we turned blue in 2016. Okay. Um, but like hmm. that's very recent. Like, like yeah. this, this is a, a very new thing. Like we've only just gotten here.
0: Exactly. And
2: um, and they're like hold on who owns this state we do yeah the people with the guns yeah
0: yeah texas democrats have guns too yeah yeah i mean it depends on what your what your parameters and people can you know say Beto. it went blue for in 2018 for beto but that wasn't a presidential election so if you want to talk presidential then you can say this 2020 like it went tarrant county went for biden so now you can really say Tarrant County's blue, but I mean, then you can look at how is Tarrant County as far as the county commissioner's court goes and how is Fort Worth, you know, divided up. And you can't really say that those are blue. Um. So just, yeah.
1: Right.
0: Right. Well, I mean, if people
3: started yeah. showing up for state and local elections like they did for presidential elections, yeah. they wouldn't be red much longer. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And so like, that's the way that like I'm taking this, you know, like I don't want to like in this discussion on like a negative note or whatever, but. Um, You know, like, I want to look at, like, I want to take this information and I want us to be smart about what we do with it, right? So, like, we know um, that our suspicions about Greg Abbott, he is going to continue to prove us correct time and time and time again, and um, is going to act in our worst interest (laughs) at every opportunity that he gets, you know? So, like, when we don't do our job and we're not paying attention to Greg Abbott and the Texas GOP, you know, like, we're allowing them to come in and disenfranchise us and disenfranchise yeah. black and indigenous people yeah. of color. You know what I mean? So, like, and we have can- to pay attention and, like, do our job and, like, hold them accountable and contact our own state representatives yeah. Um. and be like, hey, like, Greg Abbott is, like, trying to do this shitty voter suppression thing. Um, I want you to vote against it. You know, like, we have to be, like, really active, like, let our neighbors yeah. know that our state is, that voter suppression in Texas never disappear. There's a lot of um a lot of people, you know, who out there who like really don't believe that even still, even still, even after this last year, who really don't believe that racism still exists. You know, they think that racism in Texas ended when Martin Luther King led the march on Washington, gave his I have a dream speech, they like changed the legal technical laws and that was the end of racism. Same thing with like voting in like the civil in the civil rights act and like the voters' rights act. You know what I mean? It's like, oh well, the law says that people are allowed to vote. They passed the voter right the voting rights act. You know, now you know voter suppression is over. That's illegal. Gerrymandering is illegal. That means it doesn't happen. You know, and like that's not the case. It's not the case. It has never been the case. It has continued yeah. this whole time in Texas. And if you don't believe that it does, like you're part of the freaking problem. Like that's that's all I have to say about that
3: yeah and the thing the other thing is yeah, you can't the, expect the republicans sure to. Su- we... i think i'm am i muted you're no you're yeah. not muted. i was just gonna yeah i was just gonna say you can't expect republicans to do the right thing because even, even if they wanted to they eat each other okay greg abbott yeah. actually did uphold a certain uh i think in the president's election i think he uh extended the time to vote for early voting And he got sued by his own party for doing so. Mm -hmm. So it's not like even if Greg Abbott wanted to, he wouldn't have people coming against him because he did. We have to get them Mm -hmm. out.
1: And you have to think about Greg Abbott too. Like he probably was like, "Hey, I want to make it look like I'm like I'm acting in the interest of the whole state. Like, would you mind like filing a lawsuit against me so that you know, like at least like some centrist Republicans like don't come for me in this next (laughs) in this next." Gubernatorial election, you know, like I mean it could these be more, like that. these
0: are that's speculation. We don't know. But it's probably- I mean
1: that's probably my that's yeah. totally my speculation. But like that is just how I see Greg Abbott acting. Like that's yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. It's possible. Mm-hmm. Don't don't take it to heart.
3: Yeah. I think you probably saw the strategy oh, Yeah. Yeah. I think you probably saw the strategy for early voting and thought that might help the G O P and the GOP and other members were like, nah
2: true true man y'all been blowing my mind I... this whole time <laughs> <laughs> i was not very well I... read on uh on voter suppression and like how that's actually implemented um uh, these days and whew, and not even these days like the, the stories about how it used to go too like
0: yeah it's <laughs> embarrassing but we have it's
2: to... to imagine it's yeah. so embarrassing yeah yeah.
0: But we got to yeah. I mean, we had to know about we yeah. got to know that happened, got to talk about it, got to tell people. So then we can be mad and then we can do something about it and, and elect people who are for changing those ideas. But having a disaffected, you know, population, people who don't vote, or aren't even registered to vote, which a good portion of Tarrant County is like not registered. Um, you know, we were talking about the other day when we were talking about the city council, those elections for city council members, was like six thousand people, you know, four thousand people. That voted in that, even though there's tens of thousands in the county or in that in that district, rather. Um, So, I mean, yeah, this this the first step is becoming, you know, aware of what's going on, which is like if you're listening to this podcast, you've done the first step, to be honest, because like now you're actually exposing yourself to information about these types of issues that you may or may not know about. Uh, You know, the second step is actually get registered to vote and participate in your elections regularly, you know, vote this May for sure. And then vote in November, too. Um, there's going to be something on the ballot, you know, either judges or, you know, ballot initiatives or something. There'll be something every November uh, and every other May. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: We can't know where we're going without knowing where mm-hmm. we've been, right?
0: 100%. Exactly. Well, sweet. Do we have anything else to talk about?
1: I think that's it.
3: Okay. Yeah. Cool. Go out and get registered, guys.
0: Yeah. And, and if you try got a
1: registrar and register others
0: yeah become a registrar yeah. we've been talking about doing that ourselves i think we're all four going to try to become registrars so yep. we can then if you, yeah know.
2: i'm like i'm like this conversation's gonna be like putting it on my calendar yeah like, okay
0: let's do it figure
2: out when i've got a minute to become a registrar
0: exactly and then yes yeah yep. do, do the whole thing start start canvassing for the the mayor and for uh for city council people running here and then ne- you know filing date will be done by the next episode so we'll probably tell give a final roster let y'all know of any changes we got a couple and things to contact talk about
1: your state officials and talk to them about greg abbott's uh emergency item of election integrity and tell them how you want them to vote
0: yeah Always contact your reps. So yeah. one, one thing I learned when we were when Amber and I first started volunteering about five or six years ago for Wolfpack, uh, talking to her, one of the things that you had to talk to all your reps. Uh, and what I learned in that process is so few people contact their state representatives that just hearing from three or four constituents is enough to change their idea or opinion on an issue. Mm-hmm. If there's an issue and they're kind of dubious about it and they just like don't hear from their constituency, they'll vote a certain way. But if they hear from three or four people, that's all it would take. They would go, oh, okay, well maybe, obviously people in my district care about this because three or four of them actually bothered to contact me, <laughs> which is how few people actually contact their reps. Like, if that's the standard, so do it. They don't hear I mean, be- yeah. do, you know, Cruz and, and Cornyn are different stories, right? As the whole state senators, you yeah. can contact them, but no, your local, your state house rep or your state senators, like, contact them. They'll listen to you.
3: Oh, and like, I, didn't, scary, I did not forget one like, thing. Um, <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, okay, you have rights when it comes to voting, um, and there are attorneys you know, for election laws that if you, you feel like your rights are violated, you can get a hold of them, and they can challenge a lot of these things in court. You have lawsuits going on uh, specifically in Texas and Georgia basically attacking uh, some of these suppressive laws and some of the policies that they've done in counties because it's been suppressing people's right to vote or it's been intimidating their the right to vote. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have means and methods of protecting yourself. And if enough of us get together and start really, you know, shaking, shaking the the system, you know, all of a sudden everyone gets active, that's going to change a lot of the stats because I think the reason we have such a bad system right now is just so few people
0: are involved. Yeah. For sure. And that, you know, that comes from when you see government corruption all everywhere, it's hard to become involved, you know, it's hard to be inspired. Christy, what were you going to say?
2: I was going to say, and it like, it sounds scary to like call your representatives and stuff, but like, like what you don't realize is like, it's so easy to just leave a message or like, just have like, you don't need to have a whole presentation about like, why you feel the way you feel and like, like what exactly you want to happen. Like you could like you could be undecided on an issue and call your representative and say, I'm concerned about this aspect of it. Or, like, I want to make sure it doesn't go in this direction. I don't even know which way I would vote, but like, I do want to like avoid this, you know, like, yeah. like you don't even have to like have fully formed like plans, like to let your representatives know kind of what the people in their district are are concerned about um, and are wanting to see happen
0: yeah but just share your concerns you know say i'm I'm worried about this like you're saying i think that absolutely that's a very that's a fantastic point
1: yeah yeah i have all of my represents state and and uh federal programmed into my cell phone and so if like i am concerned about something like i just like call john cornyn real quick and uh, leave him a message and say hey john cornyn like I am really mad at your take on this and I would like you to do something different. And you just leave a message. Like nobody, it's very rare that, that somebody will answer. Like, I think for like state reps, like you do get four people pick up the phone and you know, they're typically really nice. Like their job is to take your call. Like, like every Mm -hmm. elected person like has a person designated to take calls from constituents, you know, and like that is their whole role in know like in the office and so like they're typically really nice and they'll ask you your name your address you know like there's you know like whatever information just so they know like if you're really a constituent or not um because people like ted cruz everybody hates like you know you got people from like washington oregon calling them you know like (laughs) cussing them out on a regular basis but like most of the time you know they're just like okay cool so like what would you like us to tell? Um, Mark Beezy, or, you know, like, what would you like us to tell, you know, Kate Granger, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they'll just like take your message. Um, you can also just send them an email if you don't want to actually call in. And a lot of times they email you back. Like there's been some state representatives that I've um, called that I emailed and um, actually like, you know, two months later, like received an actual physical letter in the mail responding to like the email that i sent them you know so like they want to hear from you um and it's really incumbent on us as constituents to hold these people accountable um and they when we are intimidated by you know like contacting them or you know like uh, or calling them or speaking to them or voicing our opinion like that's when you know, like we're giving them permission to do crazy yep. sh- like voter suppression. Yep. You know, it's our job to keep them in check. They work for us. Like we pay them. Yep. Like their salaries are based on our taxes that we pay, you know? So like they work for yep. us. It's yep. important to keep that in perspective.
0: 100%. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Hope you guys have a fantastic week and we will see you next week with some more information specifically we, did we decide what we're talking about next week is it is it Georgia?